I'm going to be sharing some poems with you this morning. And uh, a backstory here and there. I won't always read the backstory, but sometimes. begin with the, the poem of Uttama, which could be translated as Great Woman. Four times, five times, I went out from the monastery, heart without peace, heart out of control. I approached the nun. She seemed like someone I could trust. She taught me the Dhamma, about what makes a person, about the senses and their objects, and about the basic elements that make up everything. I listened to what she taught. I did exactly as she said for seven days, sat in one position, legs crossed, given over to joy and happiness. On the eighth day, I stretched out my feet after splitting open the mass of darkness. So very powerful practice there. She just sat for seven days and really put her whole heart into that practice. And, uh, you know, we've been bringing in elements of the uh, teachings around the the four elements and uh, a little bit around the sense sense bases and sense objects. So these are all things you can investigate during these days of retreat. And as we've mentioned before, all kinds of women came to the Sangha and all kinds of men also. And uh, in the the Terigata, the women, the nuns tend to share a, a bit more about their life and their struggles. I think this is why the Terigata has been translated many times, and the Terigata of the monks' stories haven't so much, because there's a more, um, they're a bit more sort of about maybe what their awakening insight was, but with not much sense of who the person might have been. So my next poem I want to read is is the poem of Vimala, and Vimala means pure. And Vimala was a a prostitute, and her mother was a prostitute, so she was raised as a a prostitute. And uh, when she was a a beautiful young woman, she was, whether she was, it's not really clear whether somebody asked her to do this or whether she decided to do this herself, but uh, the Venerable Mahamogalana, who was one of the chief disciples of the Buddha, a fully enlightened monk with the full ability of, of psychic powers, a very extraordinary being. So at one point she decides to try and seduce him. You know, he's a monk and so monastics are celibate. And uh, so she, she tries to seduce this very highly attained monk. And uh, the story goes that she, she tries and then he responds with this extremely... Uh, extremely rough kind of rejection 
very uh, like referring to her body as kind of really repulsive and and um, you know uh, let me see if I can find it here and he even says a monk desiring purity avoids your body as one avoids excrement so it's pretty strong he gets pretty strong um, rebuff but her response to that is to be inspired so she's inspired to, to move closer into the to find out what, what does this monk have you know, what does he know, what does he understand and, and if you think about it someone who's, uh, who's born into the sex trade so to speak I mean his, his, his mother is doing that and he's born into that and who sees the, the dukkha side of that they would see the you know, the clients of a prostitute see the illusion and the prostitutes themselves see the whole picture so she's inspired by this rebuff and uh, she uh, asks to she, she manages to hear more teachings and she becomes a nun and becomes fully awakened. So let me read her poem. And this is uh, Susan Mercott's translation. Young, intoxicated by my own lovely skin, my figure, my gorgeous looks, and famous too, I despised other women. Dressed to kill at the whorehouse door, I was a hunter and spread my snare for fools. And when I stripped for them, I was the woman of their dreams. I laughed as I teased them. Today, head shaved, robed, arms wanderer, I, my same self, sit at the, foot, at the tree's foot, no thought. All ties untied. I have cut men and gods out of my life. I have quenched the fires. And I want to read it there. Charles Haller says, also, let me find that. You have to bear with me a little bit because of all these little... This is Charles Hallisay's translation. His is, a, is more word-for-word-ish. And um, Susan Mercott also uses a little poetic license. So Charles Hallisay, Intoxicated by my good looks, my body, my beauty, and my reputation, haughty because of my youth, I looked down on other women. I decorated this body, decked out... At, Decked out, it made fools mutter, a prostitute at the door, like a hunter spreading out the snare. I flashed my ornaments as if I were showing my hidden parts. I created illusions for people, all the while sneering at them. Today, I collected arms, head shaved, covered with the outer robe. Now seated at the foot of the tree, what I get has nothing to do with schemes. All ties are cut. 
whether divine or human. I have thrown away all that fouls the heart. I have become cool, free. So she became one of the Arahants. And uh, and then we have this, uh, I think of them as a pair, although I don't know whether they really were, but uh, the poem of Chitta and the poem of Metika. And they're both, the poems are quite similar, they're both older women who, are, who are, have gone forth, are bhikkhunis, and they are, well, they are on their search. So I'll, I'll read the poems, and I'll first read Charles Hallisay's translation, and then I'll read Maddie Weingast's um, reimagining. Chitta. Even though I am emaciated, exhausted, and very weak, I still go on, leaning on a stick, climbing the mountain. I have thrown off my outer robe, turned over my bowl. I leaned against a rock after splitting open the mass of of mental darkness. And then Metika. Even though I am suffering, weak, my youth gone, I still go on, leaning on a stick, climbing the mountain. I threw off my outer robe and turned my bowl over. I sit on a rock, my heart is freed. The three things that most don't know are mine. What the Buddha taught is done. So those three things that most don't know are the three knowledges that I spoke about quite early on in the retreat, the uh, recollection of past lives, um, the divine eye, and the cutting through of all delusion. And this is uh, Marie Weingast's uh, reimagining, and he relates the two, these two together. So Chitta. Somehow I kept climbing, though tired, hungry and weak. Old, too. At the top of the mountain, I spread my outer robe on a rock to dry. Set down my staff and bowl. Took a deep breath and looked around. It was windy up there. As I was leaning back against the large grey rock, The darkness I had carried up and down a million mountains slipped off my shoulders and swept itself away on the wind. And Metica's, Metica kindness. I know my older sister passed this way. At the top of the mountain I spread my outer robe where perhaps she once spread hers. I set down my bowl, and there was her staff, the twin of my own. Using both staffs, I lowered myself down and leaned back against a large grey rock. I let go of the staffs, and my hands were empty. The mountain went on holding me. Then it let me go. My staff I also now leave behind, just in case you're ever passing this way. 
So I find that very beautiful imagery. Using both staffs, I lower myself down. So it's like drawing on the on the the you know. And I know my older sister passed this way, so it's a sense of you know that another of your bhikkhuni sisters has real has climbed the mountain and put down the burden. So it's like realized awakening and uh, and that sense of being old and struggling and. But not not giving up, not being perturbed by that, and then using both staffs, I lowered myself down and leaned back against a large grey rock. So, for me, that's like, you know, using the using the the, the staff of the one who's already become fully free, you know, drawing on her the inspiration of knowing that that is possible and then your own, where you're, where you're at yourself, you lower yourself down and let go of the staffs and my hands were empty. So this, is, this to me points to like stages of the path because it is about letting go. When we're talking about the stream entry and so on, you know, it's, about, it's not about getting something but it's about letting go. So there's this one level of letting go. And my hands were empty. The mountain went on holding me. Then it let me go. So it's like there wasn't a need to hold on to anything. There was no need to hold on to anything. So in that moment, it's like when the, when the, the mountain let her go, it's like that's the complete, complete letting go. And then my staff, I also now leave behind, just in case you're ever passing this way. So I hope you will be passing that way. And uh, see what else I'd like to read. This is another sex worker, Adakasi. She was um, a very high-class prostitute or courtesan, perhaps. And her name Adakasi means half of Kasi. Kasi is a uh, was a, a beautiful city, I think. In oh, it's Varanasi. Kasi is Varanasi. Ah, thank you. Okay. So um, her name was called half of Kasi, meaning she was worth half the wealth of this city. She was so um, beautiful and and skilled in her work, let's say. So uh, this is her poem, Charles Hallasay, translation. There is a reason why I was called half Kasi. As much as the country of Kasi was worth, my price was just the same. While that was once my, my value, after too many customers, my worth was cut by half. By then, I'd had enough of what my body brought, and, and wearied, I turned away. May I not be reborn again and again in the endless and inevitable births. I have seen with my own eyes the three things that most don't know. What the Buddha taught is done. So she became one of the arahants.
And this is the, the poem of Chanda, Chanda Teli. Chanda was from a, um, a rich family, who, but they lost all their wealth and possessions while she was still a little girl. So, um, so born into a wealth and then that wealth was lost and then a, an epidemic swept through her town. And uh, many, many people died. Many animals and people died in the epidemic. So there's a timelessness to that. So here's Chanda's poem. Susan Mercott's translation. I was in a bad way. A widow, no children, no friends, no relations to give me food and clothes. I was a beggar with a bowl and stick and wandered house to house in the heat and cold for seven years. But I met a nun who had food and drink. And I went up to her and said, take me into the homeless life. She was Patachara. Out of pity, she guided me in leaving home, encouraged me and urged me to the highest goal. I took her advice. It wasn't wasted. I have the three knowledges. There are no obsessions in my mind. There are no obsessions in my mind. It's an attractive prospect. And you know this. This um, so she was be- a beg. She became a beggar because of circumstances in her life, and she sees the nun. She's not inspired to awaken. She's like, okay, this nun is getting food, and eat more easily than I am. So she's. That's how she approaches Patachara. She sees the potential for an easier life, and then Patachara teaches her the Dhamma, and she ends up with a life of deep ease, inner ease, that she hadn't uh, anticipated. And I have a few more. Okay, I've got three more, is that a magic manageable? Too many? Two more then. So this is Mutta. Mutta was uh, Mutta was born into a Brahmin family and uh, a, a poor Brahmin family, and uh, was was married by arranged marriage to a disabled, um, hunchbacked Brahmin man, and had a, a rather miserable marriage. And then eventually she she asked to to leave that marriage and uh, become a nun, and so the, her husband allowed her to do that. And her enlightenment poem: "The name I am called means freed. I am quite free, well free from three crooked things: mortar, pestle, and my crooked old husband." I am freed from birth and death. What leads to rebirth has been rooted out. And then the last one I'm going to leave you with is, is Old Sumana. So 
So there are two sumanas in the Terigatan. This is the old sumana. And she came to the monastic life when she was quite an old woman because uh, she heard the teachings when she was young to, from the Buddha and was and gained some quite levels of awakening through that. But she was taking care of her grandmother and she didn't want to leave her grandmother until her grandmother died. So by the time her grandmother died, she was already, Sumana herself was already quite um, advanced in years. And it said that this was the the um, verse that the Buddha gave to her, that he told her this and then she made it her own as she uh, realized full awakening. So I'm going to read Charles Hallisay's version and Maddie Weingast's uh, reimagining. Sleep well, dear one, covered with the cloth you have made. Your passion for sex has shriveled away. You've become cool, free. The last one, I find this a very beautiful poem. Grandma Sumana. After all those years looking after others, this old heart has finally learned to look after itself. Each act of kindness, a stitch in this warm blanket that now covers me while I sleep. So that uh, warm blanket is her robe. I'll read that one more time. After all those years looking after others, this old heart has finally learned to look after itself. Each act of kindness, a stitch in this warm blanket that now covers me while I sleep. posture for meditation. And bring to the forefront your intention for this practice time. You may have a a large overarching intention for your practice and you may have a, along with that, a a more immediate intention for this sitting. So it's important not to go into automatic pilot. It doesn't take us anywhere. And to bring presence to this opportunity that we have right now. It's really helpful if the intention is for one's own benefit and for the benefit of all beings. As we transform and uh, shed the old 
layers of confusion and greed and aversion, we do become a source of blessings for others as well as for ourselves. So holding the intention of that is meaningful for you, for this being, you know, for you and for and may that also benefit all beings.
the movement meditation now and uh, practice discussion. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.